Well, good morning or good afternoon, Middle Church. Ah, it's so good to be with you. Um, and gosh, I wish I was there in person. I really do. You know, the I love virtual church. Truly, it's it's been a lifesaver for me. But preaching, ah, it's just a different vibe. You know, being in person, getting a little feedback. You know, being in the room. Um, but I'm so grateful. Uh, to be with y'all. It is so hot (laughs) here in Paris. For those who don't know, that's where I'm at. Uh, There ain't no centralized air conditioning. And uh, the only way for me to pull this off is to keep my fan off, to have my windows closed. So if I'm busting out in a sweat like two minutes into this thing, just bear with me. Uh, I'm, I'm doing my best. Um... I'd like to begin today uh, by saying blessings to each and every one of you. Um, I'm praying for you all. I care about you dearly. Um, I can't wait for the day that I get to show up, you know, in person and meet some of you face to face, right? Um, and uh, it's always such a great, such a great privilege to be with you all uh, on Sundays. We will begin today with uh, with a haiku. Uh, a haiku titled, There are poems in the river that'll lead us home. If we must go back, we already know the way. She's been there, done that. That's it. That's the core of the message. No lie, truly. You know, I've only recently described myself as a poet, and I still feel rather uncomfortable. Uh, But whenever someone asks me, uh, you know, when did you write, you know, when did you begin uh, to write poetry? And I always say something like this or a version of this. Honestly, one day I looked out into the world and my heart broke and my words broke with it. The debris, the fragments, the the bits and pieces of words and sentences, uh, all of it became a vessel for confession, an outlet for imagination, a way for me to shift the world around me and uh, and within me. Hosea 11, what we we just heard and read, uh, is that kind of poetry. Uh, Even as Robert Frost might say, a poem that begins as a lump in the throat, a sense of wrong, a homesickness, a lovesickness. About, well, you know, it's about a nation going backwards, descending into chaos. The issues in Hosea's time, some 200 years after division and war, information, the people have knowledge, maybe information overload, but just enough knowledge that they don't have to change their hearts. Indifference, they're allowing injustices to go unchecked without concern under a horrific ruler. And intimacy, they're in love with political power and political alliances that's what they that's what they put their trust in they're showing up on sundays too as if everything's gravy sometimes scripture is a little too close to home <laughs> so 
when I was reading and preparing and studying, I I just I just didn't want to keep reading and preparing and studying. It was too close to home. You know, it sounded too familiar. But what I appreciated was what was offered. In this political atmosphere, right, in this context, a prophet, someone, shares a poem. This poem, uh, Hosea 11, is a poem whereby the character of God is talking. It's God talking. It's coming through Hosea or it's coming through someone, right? But it's God as the narrator and God as parent. Most likely, if we're going to stay close to the Hebrew, most likely God as a mother. Now, if you know anything about the story of Hosea, when you think about Hosea, you're probably also going to think of Gomer. How according to Hosea, emphasis, according to Hosea, (laughs) the dude Hosea, God asked Hosea to send a prophetic message to Israel by marrying a promiscuous woman named Gomer. And Gomer was asked to give birth to children who would be a symbol of a nation. Sin. Gomer then abandoned. Gomer then taken back. Gomer then punished through silence. How the story, as Dr. Will Gaffney puts it, paints a particular familiar traditional image of God, an image of God that has problems. God as a violent, abusive husband, and and it's at least at minimum a reminder of why we have to be honest about the limitations and danger that an image, a metaphor, and language can present. But today our image isn't even about Hosea and Hosea's relationship to Gomer. It's not even about the intimacy that comes through something like marriage. It is the intimacy of God as mother. And because this poem is about God as mother, God as mother writing poetry to her child, because it lands within the context of Hosea, it's really hard for me to hear it or to read it without Gomer being in the picture. I, too, believe, taking my cue from womenist scholars, that Gomer is a representation of God. She who loves promiscuously. She who just can't keep it to herself. She who loves wildly and widely, freely and without fetters. God's love is promiscuous. Taking their cue so much that if Gomer mirrors God, maybe God mirrors Gomer too. And that maybe we can't hear God without Gomer. We can't hear one without the other. God in Gomer's whisper or Gomer whispering through the mouth of God. Which is why today for Hosea 11, I'd like to offer an imaginative poetic prose, theopoetic-like as a reading of Hosea 11. To be clear, Israel is not America or France or some kind of divinely sovereign nation given to be the, I don't know, 
uh, city on a hill that illuminates the truth to the wider world or uh, that's not what I'm trying to do but but I'd like to imagine the tenderness of a promiscuous black mother sitting at the kitchen table talking to her black son about the world she birthed the tenderness of a promiscuous black mama sitting at her kitchen table talking to her black son about the world she birthed listen again to hosea 11 verse 3 she's got something on her mind there's butter cornbread at the kitchen table when her son sits down he eats she talks about the nation baby I taught them how to walk. I lifted them up in my arms. I fed them, birthed them. See? Mama shows her son a Polaroid of a river. It could be any river to the boy's eyes, but it looks just like the Red Sea in Egypt. Mama says it birthed everything. Mama says it was the birth canal from where they were born before they fled and after. Mama gets out of her chair, adjusts the, the rabbit ears on the TV, and gives commentary on the latest news. Every court hearing, every vote, every hashtag, every report, every new law, every bomb, every apology. And there's a lump in her throat. Verse 5. Son... We're going back to Egypt. I know, I know, I know it's unimaginable, but we're going back to that place in those times with those old chains. Pack a sandwich. She turns on cartoons instead and goes back to the kitchen table and there's a long, long silence, horror, gallops, trots into her son's heart. The son asks with his eyes what Nicodemus once asked Jesus in the dark. How is it possible? How can we re-enter our mother's womb? And his eyes ask, are we going back in time, mama? Will you really allow that? Does love start over if it grows backwards? And then mama looks into the sky, looks up into the ceiling, tries to count the stars that are obscured by the wall. She sighs, verse seven. Baby, I'm hurting too. I'm mad as hell, scared. Baby, they talk God, but forgot me. The sword rages, the city and, and political alliances consumes their divisions. Son, they use my name to kill my body. They use my body for religious and political propaganda. She clutches her chest and her heart goes through it 
you know, goes through it, all of it, rage, and grief, and compassion, and despair, and love, and she, she thinks about setting it all on fire, and no one would blame her. She takes a beat. Something happens in her heart. It begins to change. It begins to throb. It begins to swell as it moves toward her son. And he, that son, finds comfort knowing even the divine feels what he feels. The whole earth feels what, what she feels. Then mama's words break. She changes. She talks directly to her son about what's going on in her, in him. And she leans in. She's crying, of course. Verse 8. How can I? How can I give up on you now? How can I do you like Adma and Zeboim? Those cities scorched with Sodom and Gomorrah. No, I won't. I won't be consumed by wrath. No, I will not. My heart turns within me, kindling my tenderness and heart together. She clears her throat. <clears throat> she counts to three before she, before she speaks again. One, two, Three, verse 10, I'll come with you and I will bring you home. Baby, I will roar. <laughs> I will roar and you will tremble like sparrows, like bluebirds. How? How could I ever give up on you? So don't you give up on you neither. You hear me? Don't you give up on you either. Sometimes, I know you hate to hear it, but sometimes backwards is still forwards. She holds her son's hands and her son feels mama's scars where the change used to be. He feels the calluses from when she first played the tambourine when they, when they danced on the other side of the river. And her son feels her hands and, and feels her heart and her son remembers the most important thing of all. Mama's been there already. She's already been through it. So she must know the way home. She knows the way home. And this, this is the good news. Selah. Middle, beloved, this is some good news. I don't, I don't know how you're feeling today. 
living abroad, looking even in across the ocean. Sometimes I don't know what is going on. I do know that there have been days for me, weeks, where I have wanted to do anything but anything. I've wanted to hermit and crawl into a hole, and there have been times it feels like what I have to say just doesn't matter, isn't moving anything. But I kept hearing this over and over again through the poet, through poetry, through mama's words. God knows the way home. She's already been there. And Egypt is not the same, cannot be the same, because she was there. She will be there. And we won't allow it to be the same either. Can, can you for a second, wherever you are, middle, in the middle community, and those tuning in for the first time, can you, can you just imagine with me that we're there? We're standing by the Red Sea. And imagine we're looking down into the Red Sea together, into the past. What, what do you see? Can you see the locusts? Can you see the animals? Can you see the children? But middle, can you also see the chariots and the swords of evil that sank to the bottom? Can you see 400 year long chains rusting? Can you see how there are footprints at the bottom that weren't there before? That's what I see. I see the footprints. I see every footprint and every footprint is a poem. Middle, there are poems in the river that will lead us home. We are those poems. We are walking poetry, and there are poems waiting to be written yet there by you. Love poems from broken and determined hearts, hell-bent on telling the truth against lies. Liberation poems for those advocating for more robust and just policies, how, how to stand and courage and walk up into the face of every pharaoh and empire who has that cold and hardened heart. Life-giving poems from those consumed not by wrath, but moved by God's promiscuous love. So yeah, what we're doing matters. So yeah, what we're, what we're building is leading us to the other side. And so yeah, yeah, this isn't everything we wanted to hear. But even though it feels like we're going backwards, it must also mean like before. In time, in time, in this time, It'll be our raised fists, our raised staves, parting the waters, moving us forward, giving birth to what God demands. Verse 1. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. Out of Egypt, I have called you. I have called you home. Out out home. May it be so.
And thanks be to God. Amen.